think we spend so much of our lives in what you call the functional world to actually kind of take a step back and go slightly existential is very frightening and actually trying it takes courage to be able to do it because you know that's where the monsters are right hello and welcome to another episode of the burnt chef journal hosted by myself chris hall the founder of the burnt chef project this week's guest is Jacqueline Wise, who runs Positively Delicious, a business based on mindfulness eating and well-being. And she talks to us about how she's taking the complete role change from the industry of sales and marketing and moving into hospitality where she's found her, her real calling. It's an extremely interesting chat. There's loads of good topics discussed, so it's well worth uh, sticking around to the end. So please do enjoy this episode. Lamb Western are your partner in potatoes. We're a leading global frozen potato manufacturing business with a wealth of experience in offering a portfolio of high-end and quality products on a consistent basis. We supply the pub, casual dining, QSR sectors. We believe in well-being through potatoes and we are very proud to support the Burnt Chef Project. Here to offer our support and help for those that need it and any solutions that you need for you and your business. Hello. Good morning. Hi. Sorry, my plant is taking over here. <laughs> nice. It looks like a sweet place. Have you got a surfboard up on the wall as well? Yeah, that's um, a little bamboo shorty, which is quite fun. So, yeah, so not at the moment because obviously um, we can't go surfing. So, listen, you, uh, you're you're the first woman that we have had on the podcast. It's not deliberate. That's that's uh, that's unfortunately just the way that this um, masculine industry has seemed to have gone. But you'll be pleased to know that you share the day with Claire Smith as well. So we have you on in the morning. And Claire Smith on the uh, in the afternoon. So, um, well, yeah. she's incredible. I mean, I, yeah, I, I I don't feel worthy to be sharing the day with someone like her. She's incredible, but um, that's yeah, she's really inspirational. So that's awesome to hear. Thank you. No, no, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, um, I mean, I guess this is a good time to start and just naturally flow into into the conversation. Um, and yeah. what I like to do with all of my guests, just to get a little bit more familiar with your, sort of your background, and I know we've spoken a little bit in the past, but just uh, explain to people who you are and, and sort of what brought you into hospitality and, and your journey up until now, if you can. Okay, um, so hi, my name is Jacqueline Wise. Um, I was born in Guildford and I was brought up on a small holding uh, with you know animals around me, etc. I've always loved food and loved cooking. I grew up you know, growing my own veggies with my family, um, going fishing with my dad and always been connected to my food and where it's come from. That's been something that's been important for me my whole life. Um, I went to uni, studied history and then ended up working in marketing and advertising um, in London for a while, which uh, was well paid. But then after a few years, I just ended up feeling absolutely miserable. I wasn't doing anything creative. Um, and cooking was always something I came back to as a way of making me feel more like myself, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It was a, always has been, and I think probably always will be, it was a constant friend when other things weren't so constant. Um, so it started as a dream to, to want to be able to change my career into using, you know, my love of food um, and cooking into something that would actually earn me money. Um, but obviously, you know, a, a dream without a strategy uh, or a plan without a strategy is just a dream, right? That's what they say. So 
um, I saved up and I did the Cordon Bleu chef course at Tante Marie um, and then also completed the level four in professional culinary arts uh, diploma as well. Um, but while I was working, um, or while I was studying, I was also working in the industry. So when I quit my job in London, um, I also uh, went to work in, um, you know, basically anywhere that would have me. I just wanted to hit the ground running, not to mention that financially, I really needed to make it work as soon as possible, as soon as I got out of chef school. Um, so I worked um, at the local bakers making bread till two in the morning. Um, I worked in the local pub. I worked in the local butchers. That was probably one of my favourite ones, actually. Rawlings in Cranley. Uh, I think I worked there for about a month. And they paid me £20 cash a day and a pie. It's great. Um, and I was there with my apron on, you know, boning out shoulders of pork and learning, you know, proper traditional butchery from scratch. Naturally, the only woman there um, was a bit intimidating to start with. But I quite quickly realised that, you know, as long as you've got a sense of humour um, and you kind of just, you know, you show willing. Um, and you're reliable and I help them with some other areas of the business like I helped them a bit with their social media and so other things anytime I could try and add value I did because they were doing me a huge favor um, and helping me understand the industry I got enough experience to get on the agency chef circuit uh, before I actually started my formal training mainly because I walked into a pub to ask to be a waitress to get some extra money and they said oh actually we don't need a waitress we need a chef can you cook I went uh yes like okay great you can be head chef for two weeks so what huh what literally they threw me in the and I was terrified um but you know I learned quite quickly I stepped up and I had to get my head around a professional kitchen in a very short space of time with pretty much zero experience but by the end of the two weeks I was selling more things from my specials menu than I was from their main menu and thank goodness for googling recipes because otherwise I would have been really stuck <laughs> um but I found out later the reason that they took such a risk was that um, they were selling the pub and the current owners just didn't really care about, you know, the fact that, you know, the kitchen was being run by someone who wasn't really very experienced um, because it was just they had to honour that as part of the contract before it went over to the new owners. However, it was an absolute blessing for me because it really it, it gave me that kind of exposure to the, the kind of... Um, you know, when you're on the pass, check on, you know, it was the buzz. It was the, it was a bit like that kind of sales kind of, you know, kick that I was getting every time when I worked in the industry and in sales before I'd make a sale and I feel good. And it was that same kind of thing, but in a much healthier way um, at that point, although it was very long hours and it was quite hard work. It was fun. Anyway, I went to Tom Marie, started there um and I carried on working while I was um studying which did affect my grades a little bit but I didn't have another choice really financially um the deal that I made with my family is that they had lent me some extra money that I needed to do the course but in return for looking after the farm for four months while they went um on a trip and so my boyfriend now husband came with me um and we were looking after the place there but then when they returned it was a bit difficult with all four of us in the same place and we didn't have anywhere to go my parents and my other half fell out rather dramatically um and we literally overnight was sort of homeless and my course was just starting and it was really difficult obviously I could have stayed there if I wanted to but I didn't want to you know I wanted to be with my other half and thank goodness all that's blown over now and it's fine but it's taken us a long way to kind of work those relationships um, to something that's more 
balanced and healthy for us all. Anyway, I got taken in by a pub um, in um, near Rygate, um, and I was working there as an agency chef. And they were like, oh, well, you're not your usual happy self, Jackie. And I told them, they're like, oh, fine, just move into the spare room upstairs. You can move in tomorrow. So we did. Um, and they were like a sort of an adopted aunt and uncle. We stayed there um, and worked um, in the kitchens there. My half worked behind the bar as well. He's a quantity surveyor by trade. Um, and he was working on a project at the time, which was a, like an invention, and he put a lot of his own money into it. And unfortunately, it didn't quite come off. And so we were living on like leftovers from chef school and chips from the kitchen. I remember three days in a row, we had cheesecake and chips for dinner. Like, <laughs> it was, you think that might be great. But after a while, you're just like, oh, my goodness, I literally, you know, my car was so knackered. I used to have to tie a um, scarf to the door and then sit on the door. Uh, on the scarf to stop the door opening while I was driving five round to my um, school and back. Um, and luckily, I made one really amazing friend there who, like me, wanted to make the, you know, being a chef work for her and for her new kind of, um, you know, uh, career moving forwards. But a lot of the other people on that particular course were sort of, you know, they were doing it for something to do, if you see what I mean. Um, so it was quite difficult um, trying to kind of carve my you know future from that because although the chef school was amazing it didn't really give me much direction of sort of how to really you know run my own business I didn't even know how to draw up an invoice or do anything like that I had to work that all out for myself um so I graduated from there and um then I uh, started doing a little bit of my own work um just picking up a little private dining here and there I was still living in the pub at this time I was doing all the, everything from their kitchen um I worked in a couple of other kitchens and restaurants as well anywhere and everywhere I could sort of get shifts and I got a lot of experience in different places um from a few Michelin star kitchens to Buckingham Palace to the Ritz where I was offered a full-time job which was amazing but I moved out of London specifically to not be you know in part of that world anymore and although it was an amazing opportunity they wanted me to start as a breakfast chef and um you know that would have I, I couldn't even get there there were no trains from where I was living and I didn't want to be in London anymore and I just couldn't make it happen uh, but it was a good confidence boost um and then yeah basically the business grew from there so um within a year I didn't need to take any agency work Back, uh, to kind of keep me going um I was having my own clients and then I also managed to I took my took my dad out for a beer and uh, gave him a 10 grand check saying here you go I've earned the money back here's the money back for the loan which was one of the proudest moments in my life I can tell you oh, wow. um which was great so I uh, made that happen I, I just worked every hour of every day just non-stop because so many of my friends doubted me as well so many people were like why on earth would you leave a well-placed job in London to be a chef like what are you doing um and I found that really difficult because I'm a kind of person where I get a lot of you know I'm very I'm quite sensitive and I care what people think um and that's something I've had to work on you know always thinking oh my goodness what what are other people going to think of me when actually the really important thing is to remember well what do I think of me and to make decisions based on what I think is best for me and for those that I love rather than you know worrying all the time what other people think because actually it really doesn't matter um so that was something I struggled with but yeah so anyway fast forward a few years um I run four successful businesses now 
Um, but I've had a lot of bumps along the way. Um, so I would say anxiety first became an issue for me when I left home and went to university, but I didn't realize that that's what it was. Um, I was quite protected as a child. My parents, um, they're both incredible, amazing people and I love and adore them, but you know, they were wild child people of the seventies. You know, they didn't want me to make the same mistakes that they did, which then meant that I was completely unprepared, especially as an only child for real life. And the kind of, I, I just, I was just more resilient um, in ways that I needed to be. Um, and I hadn't formed my own sense of self very well I would take on other people's views as my own without realizing I'd done it because I'd always been sort of guided in what to think do and say um and I you know it, it took me a while to sort of grow up basically and I think moving towards being a chef was a massive step to kind of me being like no I'm doing this for me and luckily you know my parents and my family were very supportive which is great as was my other half um but I was so desperate to kind of prove to everybody that I could be a success that essentially, you know, I um, I worked too hard and I made my no provision for myself and all the wheels fell off. Um, you know, anxiety is a strange one to describe it to someone that doesn't hasn't experienced it. Um, I for me, what it would do is it would manifest itself in kind of. Um, a feeling it would just it would build and it would be a feeling like almost like a pain like a physical pain within my chest um and my head would start to feel like it was buzzing and often I'd retreat to the bathroom and lock the door that was kind of a safe place to go um and then it would just sort of build from there almost like a kind of an energy negative energy kind of consuming my whole body to all I could focus on was the fact that I had a pain in my chest and I was convinced genuinely that I was going to die. This is that bad. Sounds Just like pure fear. Panic. It's almost like a panic attack then, hey? Exactly. But I had no idea that that's what it was. Um, you know, and I'd be angry with myself. I'd be like, put yourself together. You're pathetic. Come on. You know, you've got all this stuff you need to do. You know, you can't let these people down. You've got to prove yourself. Da, da, da. I had all this negative self-talk, which really didn't do me any favours. Um, and... It kind of came and went. So sometimes I was able to sort of ignore it or hide it, I think. And I'm a very open sort of person in most ways. I'm very bubbly and positive in so many ways. People would, you know, they wouldn't expect it, if that makes sense, of me. Which almost felt harder because I felt like I had to, people relied on me to be the cheerful one and cheer them up. And around me, I was always, and I still am, I like to help other people. And, you know, yeah, basically, I felt that I was letting other people down if I wasn't giving to them all the time. But mental um, mental illness doesn't have a uh, like a personality trait. You know, you don't have to always be dragging your heels and looking somber if you're depressed. You can actually be quite a happy, bubbly person on the outside. But uh, you know, inside depression or anxiety is is running rife. Say, and I think that's a quite common misconception, isn't it? Like if someone's just looking normal. You don't you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes absolutely no idea you know they could have had a complete you know complete distressing moment only five minutes beforehand mm. yeah I mean I, I think about basically it's been baby steps for me um I think first of all understanding you know what it was um was important but also then taking the steps to kind of 
help with that. So I think the crucial moment came around when my husband and I got engaged um, and we started to plan the wedding together. Um, obviously it's a stressful time with lots of family expectations flying around and you know it was it was impossible to keep everybody happy and what I'd realized is that um, you know through my life I'd there was many there's quite a few different versions of Jackie you know I wasn't always working out who I really was is something I just hadn't spent time and effort doing um, and I was one way with some people and I was a different way with other people, which I realized in hindsight has really tripped me up because, you know, people often thought maybe I was inauthentic. Mm. Um, if you brought those groups together, then what? Hang on. And I would, you know, it, that would that would make me feel a little, I'd be confused and but not understand why. And basically, I had no self-awareness. So my other half and I, we started to, you know, it started to show in kind of our relationship as well um and he suffers with you know anxiety a bit as well although we didn't really know what that was and he would have angry outbursts um and we were actually at the moment exploring um what we think is the, the part of the, the sort of the, the collection of things that we've had to kind of work through is that he's on the autistic spectrum and uh, sort of high functioning spurges so he doesn't have that same empathy in the same way that other people do whereas I'm exceptionally empathetic and giving and I'll give and give and give until there's nothing left basically and then resentment builds and essentially that's what has happened in our relationship so we uh we went and got some help both separately um and I had psychotherapy and so did he and it made huge difference and it just opened up my eyes and um, to so many things which I just kind of buried and I decided I felt confident enough to tell people about it and that's only grown I now I'll tell anybody who will listen that oh yeah I've had psychotherapy and my husband and I have had marriage counseling I would have killed him otherwise um <laughs> he'd probably be buried under the patio by now if we hadn't no <laughs> we don't condone killing on this uh, on this podcast but <laughs> to me I don't know especially when you know he gave up his job to work with me full-time um and support me and my businesses so you can imagine what stresses that can bring if you're living and working as well with, with various issues which you haven't learned to deal with. But basically, that was a really important stepping stone for me. And it, it helped me to kind of put boundaries in with um, some of my relationships and also work on, you know, that kind of building that self-awareness of who I was and, you know, what what mattered to me, my beliefs and my kind of ideals. And I started a journal at that point, which is something was a real turning point and I recommend that to anybody journaling not oh today I went to the shops and I bought this and I did that no 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 it doesn't matter ask yourself how do I feel today and how do I want to feel and those questions those two questions helped me and continue to help me because I'll check in with myself and then maybe form a strategy about where I want how I want to get to where I want to feel if that makes sense and I also started to realize that cooking was a way that I could use um, my time when I was preparing or rhythmically chopping vegetables there was a meditative quality to it and that I could use that time to kind of do the same thing and ask the same questions and that became something that I felt I could maybe share with other people as well um, but yeah fast forward you know 
quite a bit of time. I think um, having had some more psychotherapy and spent more time trying to understand uh, myself better, um, I did some work using a concept called life traps. Um, I don't know if you're aware of the concept, but basically there's a you know, test and you can find out what your life traps are. Everybody has various life traps. And essentially it's it's a your version of normal that you learnt when you were um you know a child or a young adult and therefore what you are subconsciously attracted to because it makes you feel safe in some way even if it is unhealthy for you mm. um and therefore for example you know extreme example might be um you know a girl who's been abused by her father might end up with an abusive man because there's part of her that feels that that is normal and what you know what is meant to happen but it's a subconscious thing so adding the kind of conscious thought into that like okay so you know sometimes when you have that trigger point where you think you go off on one and you're like why am I reacting so strongly to this why did this why do I feel such a pull such a hook such a strong emotion to something um when actually uh, what you're doing is you're reacting to sort of past trauma or past things that you've learned and then recognizing that having enough self-awareness to recognize that and essentially the term I use um, is and then kill the game and you can transcend and rationalize that feeling and suddenly you just feel lighter through that but I've been able to really really conquer so many of the things that would cause me anxiety and lead to panic attacks as I had described but unless I take time and make provision for myself i.e journaling yoga walking my dog not looking at my phone too much keeping it out of the bedroom for example you know getting enough sleep um all these different things um you know then I can feel it starts to slip and it could creep back so it's it's the age old you can't pour the cup right <laughs> exactly no yeah 100 100 and uh, I think that Again, different person. I, I resonate with your your particular story because I'm. I think my personality type and also the journey that I went on. Not obviously going to culinary school. We have our own separate paths. But the particular points about not learning resilience uh, at an earlier enough age, and also not becoming self aware. Like you end up. Do you do end up giving, giving, giving because you don't know how to say no, and you don't know how to pull back. And yeah. protect yourself um yeah. also then suddenly you get this new feeling which is and I still struggle with this now especially as a mum I have a you know 18 month old daughter um who is brilliant Abigail's amazing but she's also a complete pickle sometimes but it's the guilt you know mum guilt and I get that I've had that I had that feeling before before I even had a child and now I get it more as well like that kind of and rationalizing that sometimes quite difficult so you know if you're putting yourself first because it doesn't cut still, it doesn't come naturally to it, you, even though you have the self-awareness, there's part of you that sometimes can still feel bad about it. And it's about rationalizing that and again, reinforcing, you know, a, a healthier kind of belief system of no, I have to look after myself first. You know, it's the aeroplane, you know, oxygen masks falling thing. You've got to put yours on first before you put it on your child. Mm -hmm. um, and that is so hard to sometimes keep sight of. 
It is. And it's also interesting, the point that you talked about learned behavior as well. And that's not just in terms of personality, but I think that that also applies very strongly to different roles within hospitality. So you're not only learning how to react to certain situations from, you know, previous role models within your life, but I think certainly from what what we've seen, um, both, I think both you and I in the industry have seen, you know, examples where perhaps people have learned to manage incorrectly, you know, they've learned that by shouting and throwing things across a, across a restaurant or across a kitchen is, is the way that you can, you can strike fear into people and that's going to get them to blindly follow you. But that learned behavior is something that, again, it comes back to that self-actualization, that self-realization of going, right, firstly, is this the right way to react? Why am I reacting like this? And how can I, how can I improve my reactions and emotional responses to the situation? Absolutely. I think we spend so much of our lives in what you call the functional world to actually kind of take a step back and go slightly existential is very frightening. And actually trying, it takes courage to be able to do it because, you know, that's where the monsters are, right? That's where this is. And you basically, you go, you know, I've, I have, I've been through an experience where, you know, I've sort of done through, gone through various stages of anxiety. And then a few years ago, I got to a point where things were really tough again in my relationship with my partner. We were trying to get pregnant. It wasn't happening. Uh, We were more and more distant. Business was, you know, it was very stressful kind of in the wedding industry, but I never allowed any of that ever to show to any of my clients, obviously. Um, And I I have an amazing team around me that's supporting me. But basically, you know, we kind of just got, I got stuck you know, and I'd lost the self-awareness and I got so down. I was, I remember at a train station considering that it would be much easier just to jump in front of the train. And I'd never seriously considered that before. And I found myself seriously considering that. And that was terrifying. Um, But in that moment, I also realized, you know, that kind of, well, nothing really matters, actually. At the end of the day, we're just little dots on a planet which is going to burn up into the atmosphere in four million years' time anyway. You know what? Nothing actually matters. And that's terrifying. At the same time, there's part of it which is entirely liberating. What actually, you know, what whatever I do is a choice. And, you know, you know, if I'm not happy, I, I'm in charge of my life here. It does your, you know, does your life rule you or do you rule your life? Like which way round is it? go wag the tail the tail wag the dog and I think it's at that moment that I took back control and everything shifted again and I finally I would say since then I've really managed to redirect my energies into things that I truly believe in and I've also managed to open up a far more kind of um uh, and a more engagement with my team as well to talk about all mental health areas um you know and we joke now amongst all of us you know like oh welcome to the team what's your you know wh- what do you struggle with you know what's your baggage you know all oh, right well you're OCD okay great well I you know suffer with this oh you've got Tourette's oh okay well I've got anxiety oh what pills are you on for depression oh okay fine and, you know we talk about it but it's you know we, I make I try to make sure that they all feel safe and we have a bit of a saying which is that look you know what it's okay to have a wobble and you know what, as long as we don't all have a wobble at the same time, which is highly unlikely, then we can hold each other up. And we mm. do. And I'm so lucky because I have got the most incredible, loyal team. And I love them. Such an open culture and, and quite a refreshing 
refreshing uh, point of view in terms of being able to completely and utterly stamp stigma out on day one and be like, okay, cool. You know, do you do you have any illnesses that you want to tell about, and and can we make light of the situation and, and make you feel more included as a result? It's uh... yeah, and and it's it's you know it's it's basically it's the age old it's okay not to be okay, um, and yeah, I mean I never tried to make light of it as such, but at the same time, like let's work with it. It doesn't. Let's not define ourselves by that, um, but let's have a kind of a a, a collective self awareness um where we all look out for each other and I think that's where I've been so lucky because often you know I speak to some other caterers in the wedding industry and they're like oh god I find it so hard to find staff I can never get good staff they never stick around I'm like well I've got too many they're really nice and I'm so lucky to have that but I look after them you know and I'm flexible as well we have a lot of women that work um with us um more so probably we're about 90 percent women um and I think you know the nature of the work is it is quite flexible because I have them mostly on a freelance basis and then they can choose the work that they want to do around family life etc etc um and that's another conversation entirely trying to manage being a mum and working in hospitality mm. you know um, I remember reading an interview with Angela Hartnett once um, a friend of mine Sloan did and um her biggest regret she said was not having children that just made me so sad because she didn't, she couldn't do both, she said. And by the time she realised it and she had the self-awareness that that's what she wanted, it was too late. Um, and I was just so shocked by that, but also admired her for her honesty and openness. And I think part of what I really want to try and do is redefine what being a chef looks like. You know, I am very successful as a private dining chef that I have. Um, a collection of other chefs that go out and complete events on my behalf especially through COVID I think the way we eat is starting to change you know there is more demand for private dining at home you know restaurant at home experiences and obviously God knows how many ways people in the industry at the moment have learned to pivot and I admire them all you know it's incredible how resourceful everyone's been mm. um, but moving forwards you know I would love to to try and help more people get into that market and create a community around it because it can be quite lonely working on your own and being able to sort of have some sort of community element to that would be great and also to be taken seriously if you're a private chef as a chef because a lot of the thing is oh well, you haven't got a restaurant you're not a real chef and that is probably an insecurity I carry anyway if I'm honest but at the same time I know that I'm a real chef you know I wouldn't have got a master chef of professionals if I wasn't a real chef um and I do do pop-up restaurants and all the rest of it and why does it matter anyway what they say it's how I feel do I think I'm a real chef yes yes I do definition of a chef is a professional cook typically the chief cook in a restaurant or hotel so <laughs> ironically the dictionary has almost stigmatized the role in saying that you're not a chef unless you're working in a restaurant or hotel but now there's I mean that that dangerously needs updating because as you say I think the I think the role of a chef or the role of anyone within hospitality is to provide a great level of service to put the passion and creativity on a plate and also or or in a drink and also to be able to provide their guests with the ultimate experience and to leave you know get them leaving happier than when they walked in yeah um, exactly there's so much than that, that. And I think it's, I think also, you know, we have to hold fast to our own definitions of things. 
and taking time to work out what's important and what isn't to us is more important than what the dictionary says in many ways. Um, but it's difficult, isn't it? You know, I think we all struggle with sort of confidence in many ways. I know I do. And ultimately, what I realise is that I need to measure up to my own expectations of myself. But then sometimes those expectations are completely unrealistic. You know, in, in, a, in a life trap sense, you would call it unrelenting standards, mm. um, which can also drive other life traps such as approval seeking and learning to take your sense of self sense of worth from yourself rather than others is something that I've you know really had to work on and I still have to work on if I'm honest because that life trap was built into me when I was little um and yeah it's again it's, it's just having awareness of that so that you can kind of rationalize it I think really for me I think you never have all the answers and that's okay I'm never going to truly make it or whatever that means that's okay you know what as long as you know I'm enjoying my life I'm finding moments of joy and in the moments that are the opposite I can remember you know the kind of I don't know if you've heard of the, the poet Keats um yeah. he has a concept of negative capability so in the moments where you are at your absolute rock bottom you know you're you're running a service um you know everything's gone wrong you've got stroppy clients you know I've had I've had it before I've had all sorts um and you just think oh my god everything is falling away you know it's just yeah but you know what without moments where things are really rough you have absolutely no comparison to realize how good the good things are and therefore who wants to live a life which is constantly in the middle ground I mean I don't that sounds really dull as far as I'm concerned. I like okay. an adventurous spirit. I like adventure and I like, I, what I realised is that I'm okay with riding the roller coaster. But having the self-awareness when you're in the down bits to know that they will make the up bits feel even better can just somehow make them a little bit more manageable. Well said. <laughs> Very profound. And I think that's the same for mental mental health as well i think i genuinely do believe those that have had mental um, mental illness or experiences of mental illness are probably more perceptually aware of of life and what goes on what goes on around them you know i mean i think in many ways um you know it, it is the age old what doesn't kill you makes you stronger um and every time i you know have a wobble of some sort and then i am able to overcome it um you know they're only it only brings more confidence um I remember once I did um it was one of the very first weddings I did and I had to do um I was like sharing style I was doing feasting style way before everybody started doing feasting style we had a massive um hog roast and we did dough from our potatoes pork shoe lovely seasonal vegetables all down the center of these massive tables 150 people I think in a marquee bearing in mind I'd, I'd never catered for more than about 20 at this point and I was just thrown in the deep and yes I can do it what's the question okay the answer is always yes and I will work out how later uh, that's what I was like in the early stages of my career and then I had another in the same um weekend the next day in the same marquee we then had to do a canopy party for 200 people more which were like the kind of brides parents friends from all the local churches and all the rest of it and it was all very you know had to be all, all had to be perfect especially because my parents were coming to the wedding as guests extra pressure um and this lovely lady um who was the bride who, who booked me 
um, was a client of my mum's and she believed in me because she was no, she'd known me since I was quite young and she'd given me the opportunity basically. And, you know, that only made me feel more compelled to do it perfectly. And then on the Saturday night, um, somehow, again, my other half, my parents managed to have some big hoo-ha about, I don't know what, yeah, I, I think the car broke down. I, I, I don't know what happened. But basically for me, that kind of conflict was sort of the thing I was most afraid of. Um, and I was in bits, absolutely in bits. And I probably slept all of about two hours that night. And I knew that I had to get up the next day, put the right face on and perform and go and do this event and smile and do it. And you know what? I bloody did it and I nailed it. And it just, you know, I remind myself of times where I've struggled and then I have still managed to do things like that. And it gives me confidence. Um, yeah. And I, I but you know what yeah and what do they say that that's the phrase in in crisis comes growth that's true and i think i think you use uh, again with the point that you summarized is that you have to know what your limits are and push through them to a certain degree but not doing it we're not talking about personal sacrifice here we're not talking about you know 16 hour days for seven eight days in a row but um you know it's small things and i i i even though I was, I think I was actually depressed at this moment in my life when I was 17, I did um, uh, like a survival weekend to go to Ecuador for six months. And it was proper like, you know, get off the bus and they take your phone off you. They take your torch off you. They give you a hand-drawn map and they say, right, you're walking around that loop in the dark on your own, right? This was in Wales in the middle of winter. So you walk around and you get back as a two-mile circuit and you get back to the start and they say, right, go on around around can you go and you're like i'm tired go around again and they did that another two times so by the end of it they came back and said right um how many miles do you reckon you've done if you can give us the right answer we'll not send you around again and i was like i'm disorientated i'm tired i've just been sent around this loop four times i was like well i don't know about 12 miles and they were like yeah yeah you you have so well done now you can go to this this field and put your tent up and then pitch black at two o'clock in the morning but that whole that whole weekend was that sort of theme you know diving into water and getting absolutely you know having to come out get dressed in the snow put dry clothes mm. on but that entire mm. weekend the level of confidence and resilience uh, like i was on cloud nine after that because i realized that i was capable of of going through some hard times i was capable of you know looking after myself within quite harsh surroundings and sometimes when it's when it does get tough, you sort of think, look back to that and go, actually, as a human being, I'm a lot more capable than perhaps, you know, I think about myself sometimes. And you need those opportunities to prove to yourself that you're able to do it. Yeah. And I think with parenting, it's so difficult. You know, obviously, I'm on the early kind of journey of that. But like even now I see you know, my daughter, she'll run around, she'll fall over right she's 18 months she falls over all the time right and the initial reaction as a mum is to swoop in and go oh you're okay and pick her up myself but quite early on I had that realization and I went hang on a minute I'm just gonna leave her for a minute and you know what she gets up herself and off she goes and she's she's just you know I yeah I, even at that age you can start building a little bit of resilience you know I don't need to come in and rescue her you know, she's, she's got that, okay, if she's fallen over and she's really hurt herself, fine, I'm right there. But if she's just kind of toppled a bit and just taken a bit of a surprise, you know what, she, she can put herself back on her own two feet. 
I think it, it's so important to allow um, you know people to do that. And I think also it comes it's the same thing in a um, in a relationship sometimes, you know, you can get into a relationship with someone where you'll end up being completely enmeshed with them and you do stuff for them because they're not able to do it for themselves or they struggle with elements of it or sometimes it's simply just easier to do it for them. And then you start to build a resentment that they're not being a team player. When actually, you know, it's not all their fault. You have to take a step back for someone else to take a step forward sometimes. Um, and it's the same with managing a team. You know, if I and I, I'm definitely guilty of this. You know, I am, especially before I went on MasterChef, I was a complete perfectionist about everything. Um, and, you know, I wanted everything plated in a certain way, done exactly how I would, all the rest of it. And what I realized is that I was consistently undermining undermining the confidence of my team without realizing I was doing it. And actually, you know what? Just because I preferred it done that way didn't actually mean that that was the best way of doing it. And just because I may have more experience than someone didn't necessarily mean that I couldn't learn something from them. And it was a massive shift. And I, you know, genuinely, I, I like to see myself as a bit more of a sponge. And I, I, I'm very happy for my chefs, you know, to kind of, and my team, my, husband, my front of house team as well, to, to just to take more initiative. And then if they do, they take ownership and then they care. And it's just you know, overall, you get a much better energy. And it's it's not easy running a wedding catering business when, you know, you have to kind of get that semblance of that kitchen kind of energy, you know, when you're all guest chef, you know, check on, go, go, go. And you've got to get that pretty much within the space of an hour or so, a couple of hours to be able to make the service work. Whereas obviously, you know, often to get that feeling and that connection in a kitchen can take you know, weeks, months, years, sometimes, mm. and actually try to kind of understand that and kind of get it to click in as quickly as possible is important. Um, and yeah, I would definitely say, yeah, the whole taking a step back so others can take a step forward thing is an important lesson that I learned. And also it reduced my anxiety because I wasn't running around doing all of their jobs as well as doing mine, you know? And actually I think, having getting pregnant forced me to stop it forced me to take a step back um and I was still god at six weeks postpartum I still I ran a wedding for 170 people and was on my feet for 12 hours that day but I don't let people down either so and I had a really good time too but at the same time you know I never would have even been able to dream of doing something like doing a wedding six weeks after having um a baby if it wasn't for my amazing team and hey two days after I had my daughter they ran a wedding for 160 people without me and totally nailed it so you know that moment where I was like oh they can do it and you know it's it's been a shame that we haven't been able to kind of do the kind of weddings obviously that I was I had booked in and we were fully booked uh, because of COVID but I can't I literally just can't wait to get them all back together again and kind of you know build that build what we've got because we're a little family and they are they're great <laughs> yeah and it's an interesting point that you raise about that sort of level of control I think certainly within our industry um, if you feel like you don't have control of the service then you haven't got control at all and then that automatically then flows down to people so I mean other than going to get pregnant and being taken out the game for nine months what would you recommend to someone who's perhaps thinking well you know how what's the first step on that road to giving giving a little bit of control and and you know building my team's confidence I would say 
making time to talk and understand people you know making scheduling you know time to sort of connect with them individually um don't be afraid of asking their advice you know say well we usually do it like this but if you you know if you've got an idea I'm happy to listen you know and I always reinforce at the beginning of every shift there's no such thing as a stupid question you know that's been quite important so especially with some of my younger staff members that are sort of learning the ropes you know sometimes they'll do something wrong or you know hide hide it because they're maybe afraid of being told off whereas if you kind of break that boundary down first and just go nope there's no such thing as a stupid question you know da, 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 just ask me I'm honestly I'm not that terrifying um and if I am you can just tell me <laughs> if I'm being terrifying <laughs> yeah yeah I would say keeping a sense of humor about it is really important as well you know don't be afraid of making fun of yourself a little bit um but also you you know you need to know you have to be able to put boundaries in as well you need to, you know you know when actually know what I say goes and this is why but explain why don't have a rule without a reason you know don't be a dictator explain why um and as I said you know if someone's got a different way of doing it you can explore that and I've done it before where I've just, okay you want to do it this way let's try your way now what do you think which way is better oh okay yeah actually chef your way is better but then they're on board you know what and the energy of the kitchen is totally different it's about getting the long-term long-term buy-in as well and as you uh, it's it's so interesting like for me, it's one thing that I personally struggle with at the moment, to the point where the Burnt Chef project needs to expand. And, and I know that you and I have spoken about this already, but mm. in order for me to be able to give up creative con control on certain areas and be able to let someone else who's probably going to be a much better at doing it than I am, yeah, it's it's that it's that control. It's that grabbing hold of things. I, I think both hands. To that in time. Yeah, because, you know, ultimately, they're not going to do it quite like you do. But actually, if you can, I think when building a business, making sure that you've got an ethos and you've got core values that you all believe in and adhere to, um, then actually, if you interpret those in a slightly different way, then that's OK. Um, and I think keeping those communication channels open with people that you work with, like, you know, I, I can say, like, you know what, I find it really, really difficult that I'm not at this wedding right now you know I might have a two-day-old baby and I'll be sending them a message being like guys it's killing me that I'm not there how's everything going they're like just you know go away or something you know we don't need you it's fine or by the way here's a picture because we know that you're nosy okay that looks great right it's fine you know and I think just yeah communication with people about how you feel is just the most important thing of all at every level um, and if you know if someone isn't open to it if someone struggles with that don't take that as an affront on yourself. It's probably something that they're struggling with. And that's okay. You know, I think we, often we interpret other people's reaction as a affront to ourselves, you know, and I think often it's because we're not understanding the key difference, you know, between our own business and somebody else's business. But as soon as you start using words like should, you know, you're in the danger zone. Whereas if you use a word like could, instead when you're communicating with someone it to it puts a totally different dynamic on it um and yeah again it's it's i think you know again it's just connecting with people and taking time to do that but also doing it with yourself like why are you doing what you're doing why does it matter so much um and if people are on board with that then you know delegating is easier because you feel that you've got the connection so what comes first thoughts or feelings Mm, I've never really considered that question. 
they kind of come together, don't they? One always one is a reaction of the other one, but there's a big big debate at this moment in time about is it do you have the thought first and then have the feeling and react to that afterwards, or do you have a feeling and then the thought follows? So you know, do you go I feel bad and then you think oh well, this situation's bad, or do you go this situation's bad and then go oh yeah this situation feels really bad. Well, I think it's both, because definitely if you tell yourself something, if you think something, then you're going to get a feeling that comes after it. And therefore, sometimes correcting yourself, you know, kind of the way you're talking to yourself in your own head is really, really powerful. And that's where things like, you know, CBT comes in. Um, and I'm, you know, for example, absolutes, you know, I'm never going to be any good at making meringues ever. Or like, for example, an absolute, like, I'm always going to uh, feel this means that you're creating a rule in your own head. So you're never going to, you know, be able to master that thing that you find that's so difficult. But however, if you rephrase, you know, even in your own head, um, I really struggle with X, Y and Z. It means that at least there's a possibility. So I find this difficult rather than I can't do it. And also making sure that your team are using a language which is allows for kind of growth and possibility I think is really important as well um and yeah just watching yourself when you do that it's, it's tricky but yeah so that's what I mean about the thoughts coming first and the feelings coming afterwards however I think sometimes a feeling comes and that usually is because we haven't really connected with ourselves about what's going on and it's our subconscious and our gut instinct going yoohoo listen to me something's not right um and therefore, I think, you know, that it's at that point, we need to kind of stop and check in and be like, okay, what's going on here? And sometimes what I realise is that you can feel really low and really rubbish for actually very little reason at all. Sometimes it's just simply your hormones. You've had a bad diet, you've eaten the wrong thing, you know, and actually you just need to, you know, take a few deep breaths, you know, try a bit of yoga or just change states, splash your face with some water, you know, do something to just change your state, run up, run up and down on the spot really quick, do, do 20 star jumps, you know, whatever works for you. Um, and that can just break the cycle. But sometimes, yeah, it obviously is caused from something. But I think one of the things I used to struggle with is if I felt a certain emotion and I, I'd have to attach it to something, you're like, oh, I feel low, it's because of this because I had to have an explanation of it. Mm. It was actually something, especially with mental health, it's literally, it is just the feeling and actually it isn't anything other than that. And considering that as an option can sometimes just allow you to go, you know what, I'm just having a bad day today. You know, I'm going to go to bed early and tomorrow's another day. It's so funny you should say that. I had a flashback just as you were talking about that exact situation to when I used to work in a call centre. I was one of those guys, right? And I remember... I know know what that's like, yeah. Mm. Yeah, massively. (laughs) So, you know, you're chained to a desk and, and, you know, if you're you're looking for jobs that really strip you of all individuality and and any free thought, then telesales is it. But I remember going in with my headphones in from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to go and take my first call just trying to get myself to feel happier and to sound happier on the phone and then you'd get the calls come through and you'd be like ah and it wasn't it's not until now really looking back that your my feelings at that particular time and how low I felt was actually because of the environment I was in I I was feeling that way because it wasn't I didn't I wasn't happy there I didn't want to be there I felt like I had to be there to earn money 
And as a result, that condition ended up putting me in into sort of quite a low mood that I couldn't drag myself out of on a daily basis. You know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. That's why I broke away from working, you know, in London and working in that environment because it was just, I felt it was toxic for me. Um, and although on the surface it looked, you know, completely different, but it, it, you know, it just didn't work for me. And I think, again, that's working out your own personality type and a healthy way of getting your needs met is really important. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of the Myers-Briggs test. A lot of people are probably familiar with that one. Yeah, the 16 personalities, obviously taken with a pinch of salt, but it can be really helpful in conjunction with other things to try and understand who, you know, what you need um, and to be able to try and get those needs met in a, a healthy way rather than in an unhealthy way. Or because often you might find that, you know, for example, if you're you might turn to drink or you know, drugs, et cetera, which I know both are a huge problem in our industry. And I've seen it time and time again, you know, where people have had no other escape and therefore they've gone through, you know, gone down those roads because there isn't an, a, a way to, there isn't another option. Well, they haven't seen another option. And I think that's what we need to do. That's what I want to try and do is provide, you know, more options. Um, which is why you know it comes back to my idea of, of of helping to kind of redefine what being a chef could be, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it's something that we come up against a lot with people who perhaps are um, experiencing mental health issues, and it's a, almost a it's a lack of control. Sometimes people don't feel that they've got a decision in their life. You know, they they are in this job, and this job isn't good for them, and this is hospitality. So that's you know their only exit is to change their job role, but they don't want to do that. Yeah, the amount of taxi drivers I've met that used to be chefs. I mean, <laughs> I've lost count. Yeah, but also at the same time, you know, we're an industry of three point two million people, seventy two million worldwide. You know, one of the largest industries in the entire world. There are other opportunities out there that if you are do, are feeling like you know, you can't have your say or you feel like you're constantly being, you know, you're sacrificing parts of your personality, then the chances are there's going to be somewhere. And, and you know, we've, we've spoken to a few of the people and people like yourself on the podcast who will allow you to work and build your creativity, but also at the same time have a happy and healthy life as well. Yeah, it's all about balance, isn't it? And you, know, you, can't, you can't get it right all the time. And I think for me, realising that perfection was never going to be achieved and actually realizing that I didn't even want perfection because actually you don't need to be the best you just need to be good enough that was a big one for me okay that's perfect um and so one thing that I always ask my guests and I'd be interested to hear your uh, your answer on this is that if you could time travel back in time and grab yourself by the collar at 18 years old and give yourself some a stern talking to or a bit of advice what would you say oh that's so easy I know exactly what I would say. Believe in the power of your own conviction. That's it. Have the confidence to be yourself, basically. You know, don't don't care so much what everybody else thinks because it really doesn't matter. It's what you think about yourself that matters most. It's uh, easier said than done sometimes if, it, if that's an unfamiliar territory to you, hey? A hundred percent. And I still struggle with it, if I'm entirely honest. But I think that's okay. I think, you know, the self-awareness self is my elixir. 
and as long as I can try and maintain that um, on a fairly regular basis, then I'm I'm okay. And I, you know, I found recently, for example, I've been exploring far more about regenerative agriculture and farming, and understanding how what we eat uh, can shape not just our physical and mental health, but also the health of the planet. And therefore, everything that I am doing is shifting to kind of reflect that ethos. And it has been a really positive kind of experience for me. And I'm getting all these new opportunities coming my way because I think I've finally kind of spent enough time. And that's what COVID's done. It's been amazing. It's forced me to stop. And it's forced me to kind of, you know, spend time working out what's really important and why. And for me, that's that's something that gets me up in the morning. That's something that drives me. And I feel that it's it's it it's it's something that's good, it's wholesome, it's real, and I can work with it. And yeah, I think it helps me get better balance. Those three things, healthy body, healthy mind, healthy planet. That's me. Jacqueline, what a perfect point to end on. Was there anything else you wanted to sort of add before we finish up? Uh, I just wanted to say thank you to you for giving me the opportunity to talk about these things and also to say to anybody that listens to this, um, you know, feels that no one understands them um, and that they're all hope is lost. I've been there. I know what that feels like. It's not true. Reach out. You will be surprised. People want to listen to you uh, more than you think. And it just takes a little bit of courage but it will be the best thing that you've done to be courageous and to be honest with yourself and with the people that love you because you will get the support that you need and how you feel right now is not how you will feel forever. Perfect. Well said. Thank you very much. Lovely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Take care, love. See you later. Bye. Well, that was another episode of the Burnt Chef Journal there with Jacqueline. It was such a, an amazing episode with so many different topics covered. I hope you found some of those useful. There were many words of wisdom in there as well, which you know, even if you take one of those away, could make a difference to, to your own well-being and to your own life. There'll be another episode again next week at the same time, so please do join us. And in the meantime, if you want to learn more about The Burnt Chef Project, do head over to our website, www.theburntchefproject.com where you'll find a whole host of information as well as access to our shop where you can purchase goods to help support the ongoing work of the Burnt Chef project. Also, you'll find information about the Burnt Chef support service we've just launched and also the Burnt Chef Academy. So do take a look and we look forward to seeing you again next week.